This is Dr. Farmer. I am the faculty sponsor for the JARCAST, and our show is a little bit different this week. Instead of one interview with one teacher or somebody else, all four members of our JARCAST team, that would be Boyd and Clegg, Flora and Sally, all four of them were on the 11th grade trip to Washington, D.C., and so all week they walked around with the microphone and talked to their classmates and their teachers and some people who, as you will hear, were total strangers to them. And they interviewed them about what they saw and what they thought, and we've compiled that into this special episode. So I do hope you enjoy it. It should give those of us who didn't get a chance to go on this trip some sense of what it's like to be in D.C. for a week with a bunch of ACA students. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm here with Mr. McClatchy, and we're going to do some D.C. trivia on the bus. Hello, I'm ready. I'm ready to be wrong. <laughs> How tall is the Washington Monument? 555 feet. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> he just knew that. No, he heard us talking about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who was the 23rd president of the United States? Oh boy. Uh, can I phone a friend? Yes. Bring, bring, bring. Uh, Mr. Holt, who is the 23rd president of the United States? <laughs> Just stay. Stay tuned. Wrong. <laughs> the guess was Grover Cleveland. Uh, how about Teddy Roosevelt? Wrong. Wrong. That was right. Okay. Wait, that's right. That's not what the internet told me. Oh yeah, it's Benjamin Harrison. Are you serious? Oh. Woo! I feel like I still get credit Wait, for that. Wait, okay. Um, when was DC founded? As a city? No. Yes. Um, can I can I ask a clarifying question? Yes. Was this during the colonial period or the the age of the American Republic? I do not this know. This was during the. <laughs> Unique and historical. <laughs> okay, what month was it founded? What month? Uh, January. Wrong. December. July. July, correct. It was founded July 16th, 1790. Oh, wow. 90. In the case of a tied vote in the U.S. Senate, is what who decides the vote? Uh, you you resurrect the body of Thomas Jefferson, and he points. Uh, he his body is decomposed so that he can't speak, but he points at the person he agrees with. Incorrect. study him today or today tomorrow when we're here we look at different um, different buildings different events um, Thomas Jefferson one of the greatest authors in American history was a famously bad speaker um, he hated giving speeches in fact one of the things that made him and John Adams as partners politically so effective was that 
Jeff uh, Adams could speak and Jefferson could write. In fact, Jefferson wouldn't even give his own State of the Union addresses. Jefferson wrote his State of the Union addresses and had someone deliver them to Congress for him because he hated speaking so much. So again, we have on one hand, one of the greatest minds in American history, coupled with a poor speaking ability. We only know him mostly because of his written documents. From a young age, Jefferson was brilliant, like many of these founding fathers. And again, we get used to hearing a lot of these like lists of achievements by the time they're in college, and it kind of becomes like, gee, you don't hear it anymore. But I, I want you to actually think when I say these things that he was interested in or passionately pursued, and I want you to think about how impressive it actually is. We kind of just hear like, oh, they knew these languages and did these things, that's cool. But I want you to think about, of these things I list, how many things could you confidently, like if the history book was written about you, this person was proficient in these activities. How many could you name? Just a, Thomas Jefferson, by the time he was in college, was proficient in geology, Latin, Greek, French, German, Italian. He taught himself Spanish by reading Don Quixote. Uh, philosophy, violin, horseback riding, bird watching, wine tasting, uh, farming, and scientist. Just all of those to name a few. When he was, after he uh, graduated from William Mary, he took the Virginia Bar and he became a lawyer. In fact, now here's, and again, one of the other paradoxes that we frequently encounter with Jefferson is someone who both owned slaves and grew up in a slaveholding family, but someone who also, <coughs> throughout his lifetime, as we can see on the pillar right there about, if you guys read that Southwest, the uh, Northeast Portico, about his view on slavery, was one that was deeply disturbed by it. These are his words, and when we look at this, I want us to ask that we have two things. We have his words and we have his actions. And look at, what, if this is just merely rhetoric, if this was merely just, hey, this sounds nice, let's do this, then that's one thing. But it's, an, and we could, we could judge him if they didn't. If slavery continues to spread, if we said all these things and all these acts passed, but look at the life of someone like Thomas Jefferson, who was someone who seems to be truly changed by the documents he is writing and truly changed by the time he is living in. There's so much to study and remember about Abraham Lincoln. Much of it is quite famous. Um, you know, where he grew up, his education, his power as an, as an orator, obviously gave many of the most famous addresses and most critical in American history. Uh, something that I was remembering recently and that I was talking about with Christopher Plagenda over here was that he joins a set of um, our most famous authors and artists of different kinds um, and that he was shaped by the loss of his young son at a critical moment in his career. This is much the same as Dostoevsky who lost his son Alyosha, um, Shakespeare who lost his son Hamnet in the bubonic plague. There's a beautiful novel recently that novelizes Lincoln's loss of his son. It's called Lincoln and the Bardo that I uh, and a few others read recently that I think captures the psychology of what it is to be a, a great leader and a man and a father coping with daily reality and loss. Um, I thought it would be overly ambitious, given the timing of this talk, to try to close read a Lincoln-Douglas debate, but I hope you guys read some of those in your classes. And it's amazing to see a, a perspicacious intellect of Lincoln's level engaging with someone who is 
his match in many ways in Douglas around the most uh, important topic, one of the most important topics of our, of our shared civilization as Americans, several of them I suppose in, in those debates. Welcome back to the Jarcast, everyone. I'm here with Ryan Panessa, Jack Levy, and we are currently at the Lincoln Memorial. We've been in D.C. for about, oh man, what, five hours or so now. What is your favorite thing you've seen so far, Ryan? I think the monuments by the uh, the cherry blossoms are really cool. What about you, Jack? Uh, there was a big fountain with rocks. That was pretty nice. Sounds pretty awesome. Um, what are you looking forward to in this week? Um, I can't wait to. Um, we're gonna go bowling at one point. But I would like to see um, maybe the Declaration of Independence. Pretty cool, yeah. I'm excited for that too. What about you, Jack? Probably gonna go to the pool in the hotel. That'll be fun. Sounds pretty cool. Are there any like monuments or historic sites you're excited to see? Uh, probably Bolero. I heard they have bowling there. Today we're here with Victoria and Liz. Hello. Hi. On this trip, what are your expectations? Well, I think that we're going to live it up and have so much fun and bond with everybody in the grade. What about you? Um, yeah, I think that we're also going to see a lot of cool things and we're going to learn a lot. Are you guys excited to go to the Holocaust Museum today? I did not know that was the plan. <laughs> Neither did I. I had no idea where we were going. Oh, wait. We're going to the Holocaust Museum and... Mount Vernon. Okay. <laughs> is Washington, D.C., um, is this your first time going here? No, actually, I've been to Washington, D.C. before. Have you? Same with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're natives to the city. Do you guys like the city? No. <laughs> it's, like, so history, and I don't like it. So. That was a little bit blunt. I, it would not be my choice of vacation. Do you guys want to play a quick trivia game? Yes. Okay. Yes. You have to give me the microphone. Oh, yes. sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why are all the buildings in Washington, D.C. so short? Oh, I know this. I learned this yesterday. Not go. No, do you know? No, I don't know. No, no. but you say it right up answer. I want to hear it. Okay. Um, because they want, like, the... <laughs> Historically important buildings Only to be stand out. To stand out. Can I answer? Um, building code like restrictions. Can I say the answer? Yes. It's the Washington Monument. Dun dun dun. What does that mean? <laughs> they the don't want it. Nothing can be taller than the Washington Monument. Today we have Nurse Holland. Hi. Thank you for having me. What is something specific that you really want your students to take away? The actual heartache and number of people that were affected by the Holocaust. For the Holocaust in the museum, in the museum, what is your favorite exhibit or most touching exhibit? The actual train car, um, where you are walking through, where. Um, the Jewish people and or people affiliated with the Jewish people were all piled into one place. It is like being an act, an actual part of, a tangible part of history. Is there something else in D.C. that you really would like the students to see that also is touching and moving? 
the African American History Museum, I think, would be very beneficial for our students to see um, because it is indeed a part of our history, but also the um, Indian Heritage Museum would be something for us to see, along with the Science Museum, because I'm a science buff. (laughs) What is a fun museum that you've been to before in D.C.? The Aerospace Museum and the Spy Museum. Hello, I'm here with Crosby and Vivian, and today we've done a lot. So the first thing that we did this morning is we went to George Washington's estate, Mount Vernon, which is a little bit outside of D.C. It's over in Arlington. And then after that, we headed to our nation's capital, where we saw both the House of Representatives and the Senate, and the architecture there is beautiful. And then the last thing we did was the American Holocaust Museum, which was absolutely eye-opening and devastating. I agree. What was your favorite? Um, I think my favorite thing from today was probably Mount Vernon because I really, really love architecture and it's so beautifully um, designed and also the scenery is gorgeous. And what about you, Vivian? My favorite thing so far was probably also Mount Vernon. It was really cool to see how um, George Washington would have made the money that he used to fund the Revolutionary War and everything that he contributed to the founding of America. I agree. Have you guys ever been to D.C. before? I have. I My grandparents used to live up here, and so we would visit D.C. every time we visited them for Easter. I also have been to D.C. I think I was in sixth grade, but I would say that this trip is me really going to D.C. because I was definitely not old enough to really appreciate it and how important it is to our country. And especially because I'm here with my history and my government teachers, I really can experience how important it is to our nation. We are going bowling tonight. How are you guys feeling about that? Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun with the grade. It is kind of a weird transition from the Holocaust Memorial <laughs> Museum to, to, like, bowling at night with your grade, but I'll, I'll enjoy it. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm just really terrible at bowling, but when I get, like, a strike or something, and they do those little videos on the bowling screens, those get me so excited, and it makes me feel really good about myself, and also, I'm excited about the dinner we're probably gonna have pizza and pizza at stars and strikes is so good i know it's not stars and strikes but i'm still excited and i really hope they have arcade games because those are so much fun too yeah i'm hoping for a photo booth as well and welcome back to the jarcast today we have a veteran jim hudson Morning, or afternoon is the case. <laughs> um, how many years have you served in the military? 32. Wow. Is there any particular moment that you thought was the most challenging? I was the most scared when I was left off my ship at the end of a tour of Vietnam, and they flew me over to the land, which I had been watching for a year, but had never gotten there. And that's where all the the ugly stuff was happening, and they flew me over there and said, you can find a way to get home from here. 
So for three days, I was over there with all these Marines walking around in their camouflage uniforms, and I had my dress whites on. Okay, so I kind of stood out. I thought I should have a target on my back at that point. So that was a little scary for three days until I did get to fly out. <laughs> During that time, was it just you uh, that was left? In no, Vietnam? there was about a dozen of us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and why were you there? Why was I in Vietnam? Well, I mean, of course you were fighting, but um, <laughs> why were you left with the dozen people? We were just... We, at the time, the rules were that you spent one year in Vietnam and then mm. you get to come home. And I had just spent my year there and it was time to come home. But they don't make arrangements for people exactly. You know, you don't get to fly out at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon or something yeah. like that. So they have to, whenever the plane gets in, if it's not having anything dangerous on it, then they'll put people on it. If it's got ammunition, stuff like that, or they won't put people on it. So I had to wait and see what happens. As a young person, did you always know that you wanted to go into the military or was it something that you discovered that you wanted to do later in life? It was an alternative to going to college, which I would have failed at miserably had I done that. Because in 1961, when I was 18 years old, it was all about pretty girls and fast cars. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize I needed an education to succeed until about eight years later. Did so you I joined the Navy in October, right after I graduated in June. Wow. So you went to the Naval Academy? I did not. I was an enlisted person, and I didn't become an officer until about 10 years later. So what brings you here to the Naval Academy? This is where Uncle Sam dropped me off after 32 years. <laughs> and I was raised in Ohio, and it's a little warmer down here. <laughs> so this is nicer weather in the wintertime, and it's not as hot as Florida. So this is a good alternative. What was your ranking I started out as an E-1, which is as low as you can be in the military, and ended up at O-4, which is a lieutenant commander in the Navy or um, a major in the Army or the Air Force. What's your favorite part about working at the Naval Academy? Talking to wonderful people every day, <laughs> different people, and telling them all about this fine place in education here. What, um, is it weird to see all of the midshipmen grow from how they start as plebes? Oh, they don't grow. They get younger every year from my <laughs> point of view. <laughs> so do you have a big role in mentoring them as well? When they ask, yes, we do. Yeah. They, oh, we don't interface with the midshipmen that much. Yeah. Uh, we're like the PTA for the midshipmen for what our job is here. Okay, so uh, when people buy tickets for stuff like that and everything, it all goes back to the midshipmen, and we buy their dance, we decorate their dances, and then and the cheerleaders get their pom-poms. And then we have a serious side, too. If somebody has a emer family emergency or something like that, we'll buy them plane tickets to get home, that kind of stuff. That's what we do. No, thank you so much thank for talking so to well. us. It was... Travel safe out there. Yes. yes <laughs> thank you. Today, we are here with a professor at the Naval Academy. Paul Magulik. How long have you worked at the Naval Academy? I've been, I've been in the Navy for 24 years, and I've been here, this is my third, going on my third year, so two full years, and now teaching my way up into my third year. And what do you teach here? Uh, ocean engineering. What's your favorite part about teaching ocean engineering? 
I, honestly, it, it's not so much the engineering part, which I do enjoy, but it's really just being around the midshipmen. I, I, I enjoy that um, aspect of just being around college-aged young folks that want to serve their country. And did you attend the Naval Academy? I did. I graduated in 1999. Yep. I know it's a requirement to play a sport here, so what sport did you play? I actually swam here. I, I, was, uh, I was on the swim team. Yep. Did you dive as well? I, no, so not the diving you're talking about, like off the off the diving boards. But I was a Navy diver. Or I still technically am uh, when I, during my time in the Navy. How many push-ups can you do? Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, good ones. Uh, I think I could go over seventy. Yeah. Wow. Do you think you could beat us in an arm wrestle? Mm, I don't know. I'm Boyd, one of the hosts of the Jarcast, and I'm here with Andres Wright. We just went to the United States Naval Academy. We're now in Annapolis eating barbecue. Andres, what have you enjoyed so far this trip? Uh, I got to see Bill the Goat, and uh, Bill is the mascot of the Naval Academy. Um, and they bring him to every football game. And whenever the Navy beat the Army in a football game, the Goat gets a star. So that's probably my favorite thing that I've uh, seen so far yeah. today. It is. What about yesterday? yesterday? Yesterday we went to the Holocaust Museum, we went to the U.S. Capitol, and we went to Mount Vernon. Um, what about bowling? And we, did, we finished the night with bowling. I think bowling was most interesting. Uh, I got to see Mac really bowl out on the bowling, bowling course. I'm Boyd, one of the hosts of the JarCast. I'm here with Mac. We just went to the United States Naval Academy. Mac, what was your favorite part about it? Um, I really enjoyed the museum that we went to at the Naval Academy. And what, what, what did you see there that caught your eye? Um, there were a lot of ships. There was also a flag that said, um, don't... Or, don't give up the ship. Don't give up the it? ship. Yes, yes, that was it. And just throughout the trip so far, we're a day and a half in, maybe two days. What has been your favorite part? Um... I did enjoy bowling last night. However, um, Mount Vernon was really interesting. I liked to see where George Washington lived, and it was cool to see that like he like was a real person, kind of like how we were too. Welcome back to the Jarcast, everyone. My name is Clegg Kowser. We just left the United States Naval Academy tour. I'm sitting here with Jacob Sellerhorst and Garrett Anderson. Um, Jacob, how did you how how do you like the Naval Academy? I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I liked seeing how everyone was like always in uniform. I liked seeing like how you could tell the different ranks of each person just by their clothing. What about you, Garrett? Um, I, I definitely thought it was very interesting, especially the memorial hall with all the names of the fallen soldiers. That's nice. What was your favorite thing you've seen all week so far? All week? I really liked the bone ships. I thought those were really cool. How the French prisoners would carve out the ships out of bone. I thought that was very interesting. And you? I like the models of like the guns and weapons that uh, old Navy officials would use. That's pretty cool. Is there anything you're looking forward to in the future? Um, I'm really looking forward to going to Arlington tomorrow. I think it's going to be a very interesting to thing to see. I've never been there before, so I think it's going to be very exciting. Uh, same, same, same. Arlington, yeah, I'm excited about it too. All right.
Hello, today I'm here with Anthony. Hello, my name is Anthony. <laughs> and today we went to Arlington National Cemetery. How did you like the cemetery? I liked it pretty much. It kind of was a reality check for me. It made me realize that I'm not going to live forever. I'm going to die soon. So, yeah. That's, yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> uh, how did you, did you like the tomb of the unknown soldier? I liked it pretty much. Um, I liked the show that it displayed. It showed like how much respect that they have for their fallen um, comrades and soldiers. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. Could you see yourself being a guard? I'm not entirely sure. Like maybe, like probably like a big maybe. A big maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yesterday we went to the Naval Academy. Could, would you consider going there? I think so. I'm planning. I mean, I might plan on going to um, the Army after high school, so probably. Really? Yeah. Did you like the campus? I enjoyed it pretty much. I enjoyed, like, all the stuff that the lady said about, like, how much, like, efforts the, the trainees have to go through through the four years, and it kind of, like, made me realize, like, if I want to do this, I have to be super serious about it. Yeah, yeah. I thought the buildings there were super pretty as well. I mean, the only building that really stood out to me was the was the big building, um, the ones where, like, they get their food and all of that. I, f I forgot the name of the building. It's like Mother something. Yeah, I liked the Mother something building as well. I'm Boyd, one of the hosts of the Jarcast, and I'm here with Miller. We just got back from a Washington Wizards-Charlotte Hornets preseason game. Miller, how was that? Uh, it was a good experience. I mean, we got pretty good tickets, and uh, it was a good environment. And uh, Wizards won. Kind of sucks, but Wizards won. Yeah. And we made it onto the Jumbotron, which was um, pretty insane, really. Yep. It's been a great trip. Miller, what, what's been your highlight so far? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the Naval Academy. Um, the, Na uh, the Naval Academy was very cool. We uh, went on a tour around uh, pretty much the whole place, and uh, it was just cool getting to see how how they uh, go through school and then come out to be officers. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think you might ever have interest in attending the Naval Academy? Yes, I do. Uh, the grade's got to be there, but yes, I do. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I'm here with Mr. Holt and Clegg. We're out on a morning run in D.C. right before Friday. Mr. Holt, what has been your favorite part of the trip so far? Well, um, I really enjoyed the Naval Academy more than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. There was something about being at the Academy and just seeing, like, all the, all the traditions, all the, uh, even the cadets and just kind of the uniforms and the attention to detail and everything. Then, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty remarkable. I think also the Holocaust Museum was much more potent than I expected. And I heard it was good, but or I heard it was moving, but didn't really know until you're there. I've actually hold, heard multiple um, votes for the Naval Academy. It's the best thing that we've done so far. And I, I might have to agree myself. It was a beautiful campus and the traditions that they have there are pretty remarkable. Thomas Ham, what was your favorite part of the African-American History and Culture Museum? 
Uh, I had two favorite parts. One was the stand-up comedy, where you had different comedians delivering. <laughs> and uh, my second favorite part would have been where it showed the integration of African Americans into the military, because they had a whole section dedicated to Medal of Honor winners, including one of my personal favorites, uh, Sergeant William Carney, who was the first black American to receive the Medal of Honor for his service in the Civil War, where he actually... Have you ever seen the movie... Um, oh, I'll leave me. Oh, shoot. I probably have not seen the movie. It's okay. I don't think you have. It came out in 1989 with Matthew McConaughey. Um, anyway, they took Matthew, uh, the actual William Carney character out, but they had some... I think Denzel Washington playing his role. He actually charged up one of the uh, Confederate fortifications with the Union flag, planted it, realized all the men around him had been shot and killed, picked the flag back up, turned around, went right back down, <laughs> received three bullets. Um, oh, Glory. That's the movie. Uh, Glory. Glory. And you should watch about it. It's a great movie. Um, anyway, brought the flag back and said, you know, he delivered back to his, heart, his, color, uh, his commander and said, boys, never let the flag touch the ground. When he received the Medal of Honor, he got it in the mail. He was a mailman after the war. Wow. There was no... Um, ceremony. There was no like big commendation. It was just a one-liner saying, um, in the middle of the battle, this um, soldier did pick up the colors and carry them, and upon retreat, did return the colors back to the military. Cool. And now, you know, we have a huge ceremony for it. He wrote back a nice thank you note. It's actually located in the American History Museum here. So that's the favorite part. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. On the subject of museums, we went to the Holocaust Museum the other day. Did you have a favorite part then as well? I did. Um, at the very so, we start from the top where it introduces what the Holocaust um, would become. You work your way down through the actual terror and the and the murder, and then you get down to the bottom where it talks about like the after effect. And my favorite part was actually where it got to this one little section, if you saw it or not, where it talked about the percent of Jews that had been lost from each country. Mm. And you look at the country response to the Nazi occupation, and the countries that banded together and said, "No, you may not have our Jews." Some of them didn't lose anyone. Wow. Some lost a very like a small smaller percentage, whereas those who were like, "Yes, I'm all about it. Let's j- jump right in," obviously had murdered most of their Jews. Yeah. And it's amazing what people deciding to do the right thing, even when it's hard, yeah. can accomplish. Yeah. And so that was a very hopeful part to look at and be like, "Wow, when people do decide to do the right thing, to be virtuous and to be forthright and honest and courageous, mm-hmm. you can change the world for the better." This is Sally. And I'm Flora. And today we have Mr. Holt. Hi guys, happy to be here. So we were just wondering what your favorite part about our surprise tour we just did. Golly, um, did not think we were going to get into the White House. Uh, seeing the Oval Office firsthand was amazing. I, th- I think my favorite part was um, maybe seeing the little back cafe where Hillary Clinton would personally make coffee for President Obama. Um, he liked it straight black, um, strong, and so I, that, that was impressive. I think the part in, uh, behind the, uh, in the bowling alley where Ronald Reagan would um, make paper airplanes um, with his uh, wife, was, that was impressive. I didn't know that man could throw a paper airplane that far. Those are some impressive crafts. I was surprised um, at seeing a gym in the White House. Um, how did you feel about seeing President Biden working out there? Man, that man has still got it. I was not expecting that. He was, he was out doing his own secret service in the pull-ups there. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. 
I was surprised he um, is rumored to have an eight pack. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a genetic deformity in the Biden family. <laughs> um, they were they were gifted with too too many abs. Um, that's why they called him uh, the old Joe, the old eight ball. Um, when he was serving in the Senate. Yes. Um, and as we walked back the in past the indoor zoo, which animal exhibit was your favorite? It was probably the llama that had a striking resemblance to Howard Taft. Um, I think it was the mustache upon his face and his overweight body that made me think of our, our former president. How many presidents have owned alligators in the White House, do you think? In the White House? Yeah. Legally or illegally? Um, I think legally. Two. Correct. <laughs> but how many have owned alligators? 28. Whoa. <laughs> Is that true? Is that true? Well, it's in the secret alligator pond that we walked by. Oh, that's right. That's right. I saw that one was 112 years old. Yeah, man. Yes. So that's what the Department of Agriculture <laughs> used to be called, the Department of Alligators. And then that's once the people acres. started, once they uh, started getting, um, you know, complaints by like PETA and different animal rights, they changed it to the Department of Agriculture, but they still just maintain the White House alligator pond. Yeah. Yes, um, so I saw that you were doing some balance beam flips on the um, gymnasium. So how did you learn how to do that? Well, um, a, lot of, a lot of time and mostly just luck. Um, one day I was walking down to see, uh, you know, through our secret contact that got us into the White House. And uh, just put me on the balance beam and then... Uh, but it's, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know, I, I don't know why I learned it. I just, just did. It's skill, I guess. Well, I think that's a great place to end it at. Thank you so much for your indoor... Wait. Uh, thanks. <laughs>